If you got your Bibles, get it out and let's say it. The Word of God is true. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor it is just that simple. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Matthew chapter 12 and I'm going to be sharing some things with you regarding uh, our recent trip, uh, my recent trip with uh, many other pastors over to Israel. Somehow I thought my first trip to Israel would be longer than 72 hours, but uh, <laughs> glory to God, it was, it was an awesome, awesome time. Well, before I do, I do think I have something for you that's kind of funny. The first time I ever heard this was Ronald Reagan actually had told this joke many times. How many of you like to laugh? Can I say all the hands? Okay. And the rest of you that didn't lift your hand, I'm glad you're here because you really need to hear this. <laughs> Laughter is good for you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, anyway, Ronald Reagan told this story several times when he was president. But it happened that, that uh, a, a rancher uh, was on his way to church in a big blizzard out on the Texas panhandle. And when he got to church, he found that he was the only guy there along with the pastor. And the pastor said, well, what do you think we should do? It's below zero, a huge snow, nobody else is showing up. And he says, well, I, I guess if you got a message, we might as well give it. And he said, well, okay, that's fine with me. So he said, and by the way, the rancher said, by the way, if I was going out to feed my cattle and only one cow showed up, I'd feed the cow. And the guy laughed and said, well, that makes sense to me. So they went in and minister preached the service. And after the service, he got ready to leave and the man was leaving. He said, well, what do you think? He said, well, I'll tell you what. If I was out there in the middle of a snowstorm and, and a blizzard like we are and only one cow showed up, he said, I don't think I'd give it the whole load. <laughs> I think I'd only feed it what it could handle. <laughs> so, so we're going to only feed you what you can handle here today. <laughs> but God is good. And I want to thank all of you for your prayers. And it was a, it was a wonderful experience uh, for me. It really was. Uh, the people of Israel send their love. Uh, Everywhere we went, they really kind of greeted us like heroes. We're so glad that you've come to encourage us, to exhort us, to edify us. But what I found was a group of people that were very strong and living in the midst of a situation that you and I can only imagine. We, we, we can't relate to it. But from the moment we got on the plane until we left, there were people that I got to I got on the plane, went to leave, and I sit down, and, and uh, this lady was next to me, and she said, what are you doing over here in Israel? And I said, well, I'm part of a coalition of pastors from all of the states in America and from Washington, D.C., representing 1.8 million people and probably more than that, probably the majority of the Americans, that we are in support of Israel and that we're here just to bless you. She said, oh, my God, and she started to cry. She said, we, uh, we saw you on television, your group, and we were so blessed that you've come all the way from America. And we heard how quickly this was all put together. And everywhere we went, it was like that. We did not uh, have an opportunity to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. I think he was busy with some other uh, matters of state. Uh, 
But he did send his personal assistant, and he did send his uh, uh, various officers in his cabinet to talk with us. We were blessed to go into the Knesset. Uh, my goodness, it was difficult to get in there through security. But we were uh, escorted directly into the Knesset to see where all of the decisions are made for their government. And uh, we were able to uh, go to an actual Iron Dome site. It looks like to me the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, uh, it looks like they're run by a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> I've never seen so many young people in all my life. They look like they're about 15 or 16. And we had we had a lady. She she said she's finally 24. She looked like about 18 to me. And she was giving us every, all everything. We're standing there by, by this iron dome. Now, I don't know about you, but I like excitement, period. And we're standing there by that iron dome. And, and, and it was right there in the outskirts of Sederat. Uh, uh, and Sederat uh, is what they call Rocket City over there. It overlooks, we, we went up on this big bluff and we overlook all of Gaza. I had no idea how close Gaza was to, to Israel and uh, to Jerusalem. And so we're, we're there overlooking it. And the people of Sederat up on this bluff have taken a bunch of chairs. There's a couch up there, a leather couch that looks like a leather couch we used to have in our home. And all these chairs are up there. And we're all looking around, and the guide is with us. And I said, what are all these chairs? Because I'm thinking, surely not. Because I know what I'm thinking. And, he, and he, I said, what are all these chairs? And he said, well, the people come up here, and when they fire the rockets from Gaza, they just sit there and watch them. And then they wait for the Iron Dome to fire, and then they hit them and they explode, and they all start clapping, and it's like being in a theater. I thought that. When I first got there, I thought, surely they're not coming up here. And that's, that's what they do. That's what they do when they pray. And it, it is so exciting. And we had this girl, again, 23 years old, and, and she was explaining how the Iron Dome works, and I'm not going to go into detail there. It's not something that I'm sure people don't know, but we were asked to keep things fairly confidential in some areas. But the success rate is 90% on the Iron Dome. And the Iron Dome was developed between America and Israel as part of our partnership. But all of the technology and everything that came up with Iron Dome uh, was, was done through Israelis and their technical abilities that they believe, this is what all of them said, we believe that God is the author of the Iron Dome. He showed us how to do it, and he brought America along as a financial partner to help underwrite it. And, and President Obama, to his credit, praise God, has now signed additional funding for expansion of the Iron Dome. And so, it, yeah, we need to give the Lord a hand for that. There was not one single cabinet member or member of the Knesset or anyone who was critical of President Obama. But they did say this, we do not understand his foreign policy. And we need clarification from the American government because the American government does not seem to reflect the overall will of the American people. The approval rating for Israel is about 70, 75 percent in our nation. And while we mourn the loss of innocent lives in, in Gaza, I want you to know this. Gaza has been infiltrated by demonic forces that are labeled and called Hamas. Hamas are bad people. They behead people. They kill people. I don't even know if I can tell you this one story. 
But Hamas sent in the terrorists who killed the three teenage Hebrew boys and tortured them before they killed them. And while we were there, the father of one of the boys heard we were there. And he asked if he could come and speak with us. And for about two hours, he poured out his heart. He'd gotten a call from one of the people who'd killed his boy, who had taken his cell phone. And it was mumbled, and he, but he knew that something had happened at that moment. And these boys were tortured before they were killed. And these terrorists came through a tunnel that has since been destroyed by the IDF. And the father was telling about how tragic it was. They have five daughters and one boy. And how tragic it was that a 16-year-old boy was killed. He said, we knew we had to grieve, but we knew we had to forgive. Because if we didn't forgive, we would not be able to go on. And that we were able to forgive and move on with our lives. And that the grieving process is still going on, but we know we will get through it. One of the strongest men I ever heard, as he shared about that tragedy, Hamas, the bad people, Hezbollah working with Hamas, Hezbollah that has about 10,000 rockets and missiles sitting up near Lebanon waiting to attack Israel. You, you really need to pray, and we need to pray for the nation of Israel. And there are a lot of people in America who don't understand this, and I'm going to oversimplify it. A lot of people try to make it complex. The land in Israel belongs to the Israelis based on the Abrahamic covenant, and it has never changed. And no matter what people think about that land, it belongs to them. Do the Palestinians need a place to live? Yes, but there's never been a land that was a country of Palestine. Israel is God's country, and no one, including this administration, has the right to give away anything that God has sovereignly given to his children. And as a matter of fact, if you study scripture, you'll find that the wrath of God will come upon people who try to give away the land that he has given to his people. And that those who pray, Genesis 12, 3, that those who pray for the nation of Israel will be blessed. And that those who come against the nation of Israel will be cursed. And I don't have time to get into all of this today, but I've got a chronology that I have been looking at as far as the nations who used to bless Israel and who stopped and what's happened to them. And the nations who are still blessing Israel and the blessings that they have. And the nations that have been blessing Israel are becoming less and less in this world. So we need to pray for that nation. We need to pray for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and, uh, and all of them over there because they are, they are facing... Uh, they, they are facing insurmountable odds in the natural realm. But in the realm of the Spirit, they have Almighty God on their side. That is God's land given to the Israeli people, and God is weighing in over there. You need to pray and be aware of, of the tremendous power source that is coming out of Iran. And in a lot of our briefings, we were privy to receive information coming out of Iran and that the nuclear weapon is just about ready
to be completed. This is the good news that I think I can say this. That some of the people at the very highest level in Israel said, Iran will not have a nuclear weapon. You can read between the lines, but I know what that means. This is not giving away any information, but when Iraq was close to having a nuclear weapon and America just sat on the behind and did nothing, Israel took it out. And when they took out the nuclear reactors in Iraq, it saved the Middle East from going up in flames. And when, not if, but when the nuclear reactor facilities in Iran are taken out, we need to rejoice. But the world will come against Israel with a vengeance, and we need to stand for them. You say amen to that? I'm going to order books for all of you called In Defense of Israel, written by Pastor Hagee. Some of you may have read them. I just was rereading it again on the plane coming back. Why is it important that we as Christians stand for Israel? You need to have the revelation of it, not just verbiage that you're not really sure of, but concrete scriptural evidence of why we stand. And I want to encourage all of you uh, to pray about becoming members of Christians United for Israel. It is now the largest organization in America, support Christian organization in America, supporting the nation of Israel. 1.8 million members at the present time and growing. We have a voice on Capitol Hill. Every year we go to Washington, D.C. We go to see our legislators and we let them know we represent 1.8 million people and we want you to make sure that you're doing what's good for the nation of Israel. And I thank God in this last time that we were there, this actually goes back a year before, when Ted Cruz came and actually spoke and was able to interface with some of the leaders of CUFI. And, 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 and Ted Cruz is really a wonderful man and Texas senator. And he has introduced legislation that it looks like it is going to pass to go to the banks of the world and take these terrorist organizations, Hamas, Hezbollah, and, and others, and, 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 and the Muslim Brotherhood. And by the way, when I tell you these names, you, you can listen to people who are absolutely uninformed in our cabinet, in our, in our administration, and say that you know, the Muslim Brotherhood are the good guys and you know, they're just a political party. No, they're demonic, they're demonic, they're demonic, they're demonic, as is Hezbollah and as is Hamas. And we need to understand that we need to stand against them. And the legislation that he's introducing is to cause all of their funding to dry up. Hamas in Gaza needs one million dollars a month to support its insatiable demonic habit down there. And if we cut the funds off of Hamas, we cut Hamas off. And when, when that happens, the Palestinian people are going to be able to stand up and throw them out. And when you hear about a blockade around, around Gaza, the blockade around Gaza, because right now, if you're not informed 
Is this helpful to any of you? If you're not informed, then you're ignorant in that area. Does that make sense? You're not an ignorant person. I don't turn to your neighbor and say, he didn't say you're ignorant. You're not, a, you're not an ignorant person, but when it comes to that dialogue, you, you are ignorant of the facts. But when you have the facts, you can say, oh, that really makes sense. Now, when you look at the surface and say, why would you blockade a whole group of people? Why would you blockade a nation of Gaza and keep all of the ships out and everything down there? Why would you do that to all those people? Well, it's very simple. They're bringing in arms. They're bringing in weapons. They're bringing in rockets. They're bringing in uh, military equipment to come in and kill and destroy in the nation of Israel. So when you hear the peace treaty, or not the peace treaty, Hamas will never be at peace. We, we, we had one of the highest ranking officials in Israel tell us, Hamas will never sign peace. Don't even think about it. Hezbollah will never sign peace. Their charter says we want the annihilation and the elimination of the state of Israel. Well, how are you going to have peace with anybody that says you must be eliminated before I can have peace with you? Duh. I think if somebody's breaking into my house and says I'm going to kill your wife and your children and you, but I want you to be peaceful with me while I do it. No, I think I'm going to kill them first. We had, we had a, a minister over there. He said... Uh, uh, what did he say? Guys, oh, it's so profound. Uh, we love our enemies, but we refuse to allow them to kill us. We will kill them first. I am in total agreement. Now, what you've got to understand then is that Israel has said, we will sign, a, first of all, Gaza. If you, if you understand your history, and I'm just learning some of this myself. If you understand your history, Gaza belongs to Israel. Gaza is not an independent nation. They, they through Ariel Sharom, who was a hero over there, but he gave Gaza away. He, he actually gave Gaza away. If he kept Gaza as part of, of, of Israel, the, there would be no problem there today, we believe. We had a Muslim scholar that was there speaking to us, and he said, now, I don't agree with everything Israel does, but I will say this. In the nation of Israel and in the nation of, of Jerusalem, I mean, in the city of Jerusalem, it is the only place in the Middle East where anyone of any faith can worship in freedom. doesn't matter who you are. It is the only free nation in the entire Middle East. And he said, that's why I choose to live in Jerusalem. As a Muslim, I am free to worship however I desire because it's the nature of the people of Israel to be peaceful. I think that says a lot. And that's why you, you won't see peace in Gaza. You won't see a peace treaty signed. And you won't see the blockade lifted when people say, well, wait a minute. You're, the people are suffering. And you should let them have anything that they want. Folks, Israel is not going to let Gaza have anything that they want. So let's continue to pray for them. And let's believe, uh, believe for the very best. And uh, I want to talk to you today about time to enter his rest. But let's pray right now. Father, we lift up the nation of Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, Lord, for all of those precious people over there. This is the land that you have given to them. And, Lord, we thank you that America has been the greatest ally to Israel in this world today. But, Lord, we also thank you that the greatest ally that America has in the Middle East and the only ally that we have is Israel.
And Lord, through the Iron Dome and through everything else, we have been able to be blessed by you, by Israel, just as they have been blessed by us. So we pray for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. We pray for his health. We pray for his cabinet. We pray for the military. Lord, we pray for all that you desire to be accomplished in your nation of Israel. We pray for President Obama. We pray that between himself and Prime Minister Netanyahu, there would be a rapport that would be developed. I pray that President Obama would have a revelation of Scripture of the importance of Israel to America. And that, Lord, I pray that that, that, that friendship would develop and that it, the importance of supporting Israel would be there. And we thank you for that and give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, it's time to enter his rest. And in March, I was doing a series, and it was on positioning yourself for what's about to happen. And I shared briefly on entering his rest, but I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 12, because as we get ready for what is about to happen. Now, the good news is, there's good news and then there's gooder news. It'd be like saying, uh, well, the good news is, I'm going to run a, a marathon, 26 miles. And the gooder news is, oh, glory to God, I need to train for that 26-mile marathon. You know, I, uh, on the way over there, and by the way, I, uh, Pastor Sharon Doherty was there, and uh, along with several of the other pastors, and she sends her love, and I did invite her, honey. She'll come and minister here. We just haven't worked out the details yet, but uh, she was, she was my, my job, I got a call from Tulsa, and, and my job was to make sure that Sharon Doherty, how many of you all know who pa Pastor Sharon Doherty is? Okay. And my, my job, I, first of all, I didn't know I had a job on the trip, but my job was to make sure Sharon didn't get lost and to make sure she got on the bus at all times. And uh, I, I felt not everybody knew me there. I felt a little bit like a stalker uh, because everywhere she went, you know, she'd go to the bathroom and I'd follow her to the bathroom and stand by the door. Now, I thought it was funny in the beginning until the first bus pulled off. We had two buses. First bus pulled away, and I looked around. There's no Sharon. And I'm thinking, I can't lose her on the first bus. And sure enough, she's not there. I have to go get her and take her back. And this, it, it happened on three different times. The buses were pulling out, and I had to stop the buses to go get Sharon. Now I know why they called and enlisted my support. <laughs> And uh, anyway, it was really, it was really funny. She hadn't changed a bit. She's still as hilarious and as funny as she used to be. But, but I, I want to share with you, let me just paraphrase it all, and then we'll talk about some scriptures. What Jesus said is going to happen is going to happen. There's a scene in the movie Patton I just love. I love the movie Patton. By the way, did I encourage all of you to join CUFI? Okay, all right. Going to, are you a member? Awesome. Give this young lady a hand. How do you do it? That's a very good question. Go online after the service. <laughs> See, CUFI, Christians United for Israel. Absolutely free, no charge. You will receive weekly updates of current events. You'll receive daily updates of current events going on. 
uh, what we need to be praying for, what we need to stand for, and you'll be part of 1.8 million people, and by the time you all do it, it'll be more than 1.8 million people. We're believing for about 5 million people to be joining here within the next year or two, and it's just the exponential curve going on right now. It'll put you on the cutting edge of what's going on in the world. You're not going to see this on CNN. You're not going to even see some of this on Fox News, but you will get it through CUFI, and it's really important. But here's what we're getting ready to do. We're getting ready to go into an intense time in our nation and in the world. Well, actually, we're not getting ready to. We are there. We just haven't recognized it in Lafayette, Indiana. But if you are a part of other areas geographically of the world or of America, you will realize things are changing uh, uh, daily. Uh, how long? You, you guys, I heard you did a great job Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. Give them a hand. They did a really awesome job. How long have you been in education? 17 years. 12 years? I'll bet you've seen drastic changes, good, the bad, and the ugly, in that length of time. And in our length of time, depending on how old you are, you have seen tremendous changes that when I was raised, <laughs> 40s and 50s, glory to God, <laughs> this happened to me over there. It really did. We were sitting at the table. Now, the guy turned it around and used it for a positive. We were sitting at the table, and this guy was talking, and he said something. And I have, I am, I've never been self-conscious about anything in my life. I really haven't. I really haven't. I just, what you see is what you get. And if you like it, fine. If you don't, move on. <laughs> but that's, that's about how I've always felt. I really have. But we're sitting there, and this one guy's talking about age and all. Ah, crap, he's going to ask me how old I am. And, 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 for, and for soon this guy turned, he said, by the way, how old are you? I said, well, I'm, I'm 73. He says, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> And I couldn't tell the first way I thought that's really old because that's what I thought. Or, or he's up, whatever. And anyway, he, he turned it into a little bit of a compliment. But, but the older you are, the more experience you have and the more wisdom you should have. Turn to your neighbors and say, you should have more wisdom. Yeah, it depends on how old you are. You know, uh, but, and the more wisdom we have, the more information and knowledge we have, then we're ready for what's about to happen. So we're not going to be excited about, I think about this story. Every time I say this, I think about this story. Anyway, Matthew chapter 12 says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Enter into my rest. And so we should be a people of rest, even in the midst of warfare. And when when we we went into Sederot, which is what they call Rocket City, where these rockets are fired just on the other. It's not like, it would be like being on Happy Hollow Road overlooking the Wabash River. That's about how far it was where these rockets are coming from. And so we went into the market, and everybody's happy, everybody's peaceful. And finally we say, does this bother you guys? And say, well, we would prefer it didn't happen. <laughs> I thought, what an understatement. We would prefer it didn't happen. But it said, we, we, are, we have decided we are going to live our life. Our prime minister has decided we are going to live a normal life. And when the air raid siren goes off, we'll go to the shelters. And when it's over, we'll come out of the shelters. But we refuse to give the enemy a place in our life. Oh, glory to God. That was so exciting. We were there to encourage them. They were encouraging us. And I was going somewhere just before that. What did I do? Oh, yeah. If you're prepared for what is about to happen, then you're ready for it. Thank you very much. 
Isn't she pretty? <laughs> Maybe 73 years old. <laughs> so anyway, you get prepared for what's going to happen. When we were, we were first married, we put our two families together, six children, and we decided we'd go to the mountains, and this would be great. And we went to the place called Big Elk Meadows, and it's, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere, but it's close to Estes Park. I have to go over an old stagecoach road and get down there. Some people gave us a cabin. It had electricity, but that was it. No radio, no telephone. That was before cell phones. And, and, and nothing at all. Well, the kids thought it was horrible. We thought it was bonding time. <laughs> Brady Bunch. <laughs> well, it was anything but the Brady Bunch the first couple of days. But it started to take off. But, but, but this one time, I saw this sign. Uh, you go up, uh, 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 you, you get horses and go up into uh, the Rocky Mountain Park and you take these horses and, the ho- and you ride your own horse and you go up this trail all the way top of the mountain and then on the way back, about halfway back, you stop around a campfire and have steak and eggs. Oh, can't get any better than that. So we all get on our horses. We all did it. Nobody was as excited as me, but I was ready. I was Roy Rogers. I was ready. And so all six of us are on a horse and then all of a sudden, Lori starts screaming, Mom, Mom, my horse is moving, my horse is moving. And I wondered to this day, I wonder what she thought that horse was going to do and how she was going to get to the top of that mountain without that horse moving. And she said, my horse is moving, my horse is moving. I always think about that. Folks, what Jesus said is going to happen is going to happen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, it's going to happen. The only thing that is important is what are we going to do in preparation for what is about to happen. And Jesus gave us clear instructions on how to do this. He told us that if we will live and do what he's called us to do, I want you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 21, that if we will live as he has called us to live and concentrate on what he's shown us to do and get our minds at peace, then we're going to be ready. And in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 28, but this is what I want to zero in on is verse number 26. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Folks, I tell you, some of this is happening right now. Just pay attention with the news. I was stationed in Hawaii for two years, and I know a little bit about the history of that island. Not a lot, but a little bit about the history. A hurricane in Hawaii is almost non-existent. They hardly ever have them. But just recently, what was on the news? Two hurricanes back to back. Weather systems, the moon, the stars, the blood moons, everything lining up that something is happening in the heavenlies. Now, if you study it, and I recommend you all read Pastor Hagee's book on blood moons. I recommend you all read The Harbinger and what happened in, during 9-11. And things are stirring. How many of you think there are things stirring in the heavenlies? Now, if, if, you're, if your routine is to go home every night and turn on the tube and watch your favorite show and nah, okay, and go to sleep and get up and do the same thing, then you may not be tuned in spiritually and you will not be ready for this fight of faith that we're going into. But if you're tuned in spiritually and you're looking and reading the right things and pressing in, you're going to be ready for what's about to happen. In verse number 26, Jesus is describing people who aren't ready. 
men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. How many of you believe that the powers of the heavenlies are going to be shaken? Let's just say, I believe that. So what we need to do is we need to get prepared for what's about to happen. And one of the most moving experiences of my life was standing, well, well, at the garden tomb where everyone believes was the burial for Jesus. It probably would have been the most moving experience of my life. And when I got into the actual tomb and stood there, it was overwhelming. It really was. But there were people, and I don't condemn these people, but people were standing and posing and taking pictures. Uh, it just... It just it just didn't seem right. It didn't seem right. It just did not seem like the place to pose and take pictures. But people were, and that's their prerogative. But the most moving was when we were at what they would call their Arlington Cemetery, like ours in Washington, D.C. And we were there as they were burying the seven recent IDF soldiers that were killed in the tunnels protecting their country. They dig every grave by hand. It's a huge area where historically, from the very beginning of Israel, back in 1948, they bury their war dead. And uh, it's really powerful, uh, powerful place to be. You can feel the presence of God. But as we were there, there were several groups of armed uh, soldiers. Uh, all of the soldiers we saw, all of the IDF were, were, were carried their weapons with them. And they had these groups going around from grave to grave. And uh, you could tell it looked like they were on a mission and they had someone with them. And they asked this interpreter, what are they doing? And he said, these are all new recruits. And again, they looked like they were about 13, 14 years old. Israel has something that America should have. They have compulsory military service. You, everyone must serve, men, women, and uh, so th these were five-month recruits, <clears throat> and they were, he said, they, they, they bring them here at the end of five months, and they go to all of the fallen dead in the outfit that they are in, and they explain how they gave their lives for their nation, and that the same thing could happen to you, but that we are believing that it won't. It's the most solemn thing I think I've ever experienced as those men would stand there and weep, and women, and weep at that grave of a comrade who had already paid the price in the, in the particular branch of the service that they have gone in. And they say that we want them to know the importance of serving your nation. And I just want all of you to know that we are alive on this earth at a very important time. We are prayer warriors, if we will accept the assignment, there is not a place in the world that you cannot affect with your prayers. It's like a laser. It's like a gate-guided missile. But if you're not careful, this is what can happen. Your mind can become very, very much in turmoil over what is about to happen. And, and the basic message today is that anxiety or anxiousness that is in your mind 
must be dealt with to be ready for what we're about to go into. And if you have an anxious mind now, and a lot of times I'll be around people and they say, oh, I just get so anxious over things. What things? Sudden sound, I get anxious over the kids. And it's like, whoa, you are not ready for the next season of life. Because if you have anxiety now, you're going to have a heart failing when all of this breaks loose. Does that make sense to you? In other words, when I saw those, those boys and the women at the grave sites, they were preparing them that, listen, this could cost you your life, but this is what uh, you are called to do for your nation. And that the ultimate anxiety that comes to many people is a fear of death. All of us are going to eventually leave this earth and move on to heaven. But we don't want to go before our time, but by the same token, we don't want to covet life to the point of anxiety and worry and fear about tomorrow. Well, will, will I be alive tomorrow? Well, what will tomorrow be? Well, what's going to happen here? What's going to, that's an anxious mind. How, how many of you know what it, what, it, what it feels like when your mind is anxious? Your mind is always searching for something to think. Do you know that? Your mind is like radar. It's like, what am I going to think? Oh, God, let's see, the glass is half full. No, the glass is full. No, the glass is half empty. No, uh, what? And your mind is always going. And your spirit man, if you're a born-again Christian, your spirit man wants to receive from the Holy Spirit and then wants to dictate to your mind so that your mind is like a laser, 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 <laughs> constantly focused on what God wants you to be focused on. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, don't worry about anything because in the world today and in America today, there are many distractions, things that will seem, well, yeah, maybe so. Well, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know about this. Folks, we are not going to focus on anything other than what the Lord showed us. And in the book of Matthew chapter 6, I want to read to you there, it's a scripture that is probably familiar with many of you, but it's not just knowing the scripture, it's living the scripture. And in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about life, what you should eat or what you should drink, nor about your body. Uh, what you should put on is more than life, more than, uh, let me back up here. Nor about your body, what you will put on it is not life, more than food, and the body more than clothing. And then Jesus goes on to say, who by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Talks about how worrying about clothing, about money, about situations, talking about Solomon. And then it ends up in verse number 33 and it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Let's all say this. Worry, worry. is a waste of time. How many believe worry is a waste of time? Now, how many of you worry? Two of you. How many of you sometimes worry? Let's all say it. Waste of time. Now, your mind has been trained over the years to worry. Well, if I don't worry about it, who is? Well, how about if nobody worries about it? If worry, here's what Jesus said. If worry would help, you'd be a lot bigger than you are. You would know a lot more than you do, but worry does not help at all. Worry is your enemy. Anxiety is your enemy. 
And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says that you cast every care upon the Lord. Now, you know that scripture. We use that scripture a lot in this church. Now, what, what happens is that the, the word worry, merimno, and the word care, also rooted in merimno, means a distraction and a preoccupation of something. In other words, you're looking at something you shouldn't be looking at. I don't know if you've seen any of these uh, ads they have out now, uh, or not ads, it's, uh, they're going around to schools. And I saw it on Fox News the other day, it's awesome. They take them into mostly high schools, and they put the kids in a car, and they put uh, something over their eyes, and, and then they let them text and drive, and uh, it's, it shows the horrible things that are happening that is in this demonstration. And then they give them a printout of how bad it was for the distraction that they had. And then they were interviewing these children, uh, these teenagers, and they said, wow, we had no idea it was that much swerving and that much danger involved. Your distracted mind is a dangerous thing to have, especially if we are entering into a new season in the world where situations and circumstances can change rapidly. And what's going to happen in America and in the world just prior to the return of Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church is this pre-tribulation type situation that Jesus is describing in the book of Matthew 24, uh, what we just read in Luke chapter 21, and everything is going to be changing. Now, it's going to be an exciting time. Everybody say exciting time. It's going to be a lot more fun than riding a horse up a mountain, but the horse is going to move. You are going to experience things you've never experienced before. And, and I, I was just amazed when we went up to this, this area, this bluff overlooking uh, Gaza, and I saw these chairs, and the thought came to me, and I thought, I'm not going to say a word. And then the interpreter said, I could just picture the people saying, you know, I wish we weren't at war, but why don't we just sit down and watch the rockets and eat some popcorn? I could just see some people up there, and then all of a sudden, bam, there comes one rocket, and there, bam, there comes the Iron Dome and explodes. Whoa, hallelujah. And they're all applauding and clapping and thanking God and giving praise to God for what he's given them instead of just shivering somewhere and saying, my horse is moving. No, no, no. God is moving. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is moving. This is going to be one of the most exciting times on the face of the earth. You like adrenaline surge? Whoa, we are in for it. But if you are a person by habit, every person is a person of habit. Your habit is the same as it's always been and it will never change until you break it. But if you have fear and anxiety and, and, and you're not casting your cares upon the Lord right now, then you're going to be in for a very difficult position. Now, I want to show you in Proverbs chapter 16 what we can do. And then we have one more scripture that I want to share with you. I got so excited by the Israeli people. They are absolutely wonderful. And, and it's just exciting to watch. Now, I am a fan of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, period. I think he's an awesome man of God. I really do. Uh, but the people of Israel are really wonderful, friendly people living in warlike conditions. And the six, in Proverbs 16, 13, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. I want to say that again because all of us have heard that scripture before. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be what? 
they will be established thoughts. You won't be thinking anxious, fearful, worried thoughts. Your thoughts will be established. Have you ever just had these thoughts that come to you when you're really flowing in the realm of the Spirit that encourage, exhort, and edify you, and you flow it on to others? And it's just like, wow, you feel like a spiritual superman. You, got, you have the answers. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have the answer. When you call my cell phone, when you call this church, we've always said this, whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. Let's all say that. Didn't sound like I just said it. Sound like we're, let's all say, whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. So turn to the red and find out what did he say to do, and let's do that like a good soldier of the cross. And so what we do is we get to the point when we say, no, wait a minute, I want established thoughts. I want to think right. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, there is he. You think worried, you're worried. You think anxious, you're anxious. You think fearful, you're fearful. But if you think what Jesus wants you to think, and you get to the point where you're going to speak the Word of God based on the written Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be moved by anything that you see. Does that make sense to you? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be moved. Get your thoughts established. Now, this is, this is it's going to sound so simple to you, but so true. Who's in charge of your thinking? Who's in charge? Okay, so if you're thinking established thoughts, you've got your mind focused the right way. If you're not, you've got your mind focused the wrong way, and it's your fault. You can think whatever you want. Right now. You know what I'm thinking of? Juicy hamburger. <laughs> That's what went through my mind. It's not a bad thought, but it's not the right place. You can think whatever you want. Turn to your neighbor and tell her, I can think whatever I want. Do you believe that? you believe that, Pamela Sue? you believe that? How many of you realize that your mind can be your best friend? Your mind can be your worst enemy. Now, I may ask God this when I get there, but why did he put us in charge of our mind? Because most of us do a lousy job. Would you say that? I don't want to make a bad confession for you, but there are times when I do a lousy job of thinking what I should be thinking. But those times are getting less and less because we have less and less free time to do that. Turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4. This is the last scripture I'm going to give you today. But it's so John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And that whatever Jesus tells you, that is exactly the way it is. And this fight, I started to say a moment ago, uh, the movie Patton. <clears throat> In the movie Patton, there's a scene. It's pretty well, the, the movie Patton's pretty well based on his historical biography. And I, I really did admire uh, Patton. And in the movie, one of the general, or one of his underlings who he sent on, was sending on a mission said, I just, Beetle, I think was his name. And he, and he said, and he said, we can't do it. We don't have time. And they said, well, Beetle, you're either going to do it or I'm going to remove you from command. This is one fight that is not going to be postponed. I know you're capable of doing it, but if you don't do it, 
I'm going to get somebody else. And the guy said, yes, sir, I will be ready. And away he went. He got the word. This fight is not, and he said, this fight is not going to be postponed. Everything you read right here is not going to be postponed. It's going to happen. It's just a question of when. I believe it's already started. I believe the situation in the heavenlies has already started. I believe the blood moons is something to do with everything Jesus said in the heavenlies. I believe when you read the harbinger and the things and the arrogancy that you, arrogancy, is that a word? I don't think it is. We'll make it one. The arrogancy that you see in some governments around the world, they're all going to become crumbling down here. But in the midst of all of that, there is good news. We can be at total rest. Tell your neighbor, we can be at total rest. Philippians chapter 4. This is your responsibility getting ready to go into this time frame that I believe we're already in. Be anxious for, you all know the scripture. What's it say? Be anxious for? Okay, now we're going to show a little show of hands right here. A little test time, right? Okay. How many of you believe that you should be anxious for nothing? I want you to lift your hand high if you believe that. That's what I say. I believe. I should be anxious for nothing. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Look around all over the church. Look at all the hands. Take your hand down. Okay. How many of you believe what you just said? Let's say, say I believe it. Okay. Put your hands down. See the hands of all the people who from time to time are anxious. Get them up high. Let's all say it. Not too smart. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, not too smart. The Word of God says we are to be anxious for nothing. Therefore, we should be anxious for nothing. It's really quite simple. Now, who determines whether you're anxious or not? You do, not people. People will come. Even God uses, excuse me, the devil will use people to try to make you anxious. He'll use situations and circumstances, but he cannot make you anxious unless you give him a piece of your mind. Then it goes on to say, uh, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, if you're facing a challenge, talk to God, give it to Him, and let Him know what you have need of. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. If there is ever going to be a time when you need to bypass your mind and enter into the realm of the Spirit, it's going to be in the period we're entering into. The peace of God which will surpass your understanding. Let's just say, I don't have to understand. You don't have to understand everything. If you're a person who I have to understand this, and if I don't understand this, then I can't just operate right, you're going to be in for trouble. And you're going to be an anxious person because there'll be some things you will not understand. But your heart and your mind will be guarded. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, and that means dunamis, that means power. If there's power, if there's anything praiseworthy, then meditate on these things things. In other words, we set our mind, let's say, I set my mind 
to determine whether or not this thing that I'm thinking is true and noble and just and pure and praiseworthy. Is this something I should be thinking or is this something I should cast out and not be thinking? You've heard me say this for years in this church. The average person thinks about 30,000 thoughts a day. Some of us are less than average. Some of us are more than average. You have to determine what you think, and you can think less thoughts. Does that make sense to you? If you determine what you're going to think, and you don't let your mind think for itself, then you yourself determine what you think. Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I'm going to be blessed coming. I'm going to be blessed going. Everything I do, I'm going to be an oracle for God, and I'm going to meditate that thought day and night, all day long. I'm going to meditate for myself. That's why when Joshua was told, meditate the Word of God day and night, and you will have success. You will have success if you're meditating the word of God. Then it goes on to verse number nine, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Once we reach this point in our life, we are ready for anything. You say amen to that? You're ready for anything. Let's all stand to our feet. You are being prepared by almighty God through the power of his Holy Spirit to move into the next season of our life on this earth. And it's going to be an awesome season. It's going to be full of adventure. It's going to be full of excitement. It's going to be full of things that God tells you to do that are going to be beyond you. You just can't understand how you're going to do it. But God is equipping you for this next day. And he wants to make sure that you're not going to be anxious. You're not going to cut and run. You're going to be there to do what he's called you to do. You're not going to worry about anything. You're not going to be anxious about anything. But you're going to have a mind that is totally at rest in him saying, God, what do I do next? When I got this phone call to go to Israel, this is the thought I had, and then I had to cast it down. Number one, I, I've never planned to go to Israel for 72 hours, period, let alone my first trip. And number two, my first trip to Israel, I wouldn't have planned during a war zone or in a war zone. And all of it didn't make sense to me and I felt this yuckiness, and that's the only way I can describe it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This felt yucky. But then, now all of that happened before I prayed. But then once I prayed and said, God, I want to do what you want me to do, and instantly I heard go, and all of that stuff lifted off of me. How many of you can relate to what I just said? Once you pray and get the leading of the Lord, everything else lifts off. But if you try to figure it all out with your understanding, then you weight yourself down. What we are supposed to do is to be good soldiers. God, what do you want me to do? He tells us we obey, and the rest he takes care of. This is the area. This is the season that we're in right now. And when you live your life that way, all the blessings of God come upon you and overtake you. And it didn't hurt on this trip to have all the expenses paid, by the way. <laughs> but you know what? God can write a big check. God will take care of your finances. He'll take care of your health. And he'll take care of your family. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you this question all over this church. Do you know that if you died today, you would be alive and well with Jesus in heaven? 
If you're here and you say, that's me, and I know it, praise God for you. But if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the moment. Maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal child. You know that you've walked away from the things of God, and you're ready to come home to Him. God loves you, and God is ready to embrace you. And all over this church, if you're here and you say, pray for me, I know my life isn't right. I know that I need Jesus. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. All over this church, is there anyone at all? Yes, yes, I see your hand right here. Are there others? You say, pray for me. I know my life is not right. Give the Holy Spirit a chance to move here. Hallelujah. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.